Man, it is so good to see you. Thank you so much for coming, hanging out with us. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your first time in a long time, welcome home. We're so glad to see you. Today we're having seven services over three campuses. That's right, we are one church and three physical locations. We have a campus in Ashland that's meeting for the very first Easter weekend this weekend. Come on, can we get up for our Ashland campus right now, man? Wow. And we have a campus in Grayson in Carter County. And so if you have friends in Ashland or, or, or Grayson or around that's looking for a place to get involved in church, we would love to minister to you. We are one church in three locations. And we also wanna welcome everybody watching online who can't be with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Now we finished up this series called Cross Equals Love. And this has been one of my favorite series, y'all. I mean, this has been one of, the best, my, one of my favorite series that we've ever gone through. And today we end the series. So if this is your first time or you're just kind of hanging out, have been here a while, and you've missed the last six weeks, it's okay, it's okay, really, it's okay. I want you to download our app, or you could go to YouTube or our website, and you can catch up and watch those, because we went through the seven statements of Jesus, and we believe that everyone's important, they have an intentionality behind it, and so you can listen, when you're at the gym, you can listen to it, you know, you could wash the dishes and listen to it, you could drive the work, whatever it takes, we'd love for you just to go back and catch up with us, because man, I'm telling you, this has been a very powerful series, and I really believe that God used it in my life, and I know he's gonna use it in yours. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We got jumbo screen Bibles on the side. They'll be there. Or you can grab your phone and go to the Bible app, Luke 23, and I'm gonna be using the New Living Translation. Maybe the most famous picture of Jesus that you may see, and I know this is debatable, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe the one most famous is the one of him taking the Lord's Supper. We had the disciples at the Lord's table. Maybe you've seen that picture before. Well, this is Passover. Jesus is separating the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And, and as he's celebrating the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he takes bread, he breaks bread, said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. He took the juice, the, the wine in the cup, and he says, drink this, this is a new covenant. Now, that would have shocked the Jews at this time, the, the, the disciples, because you have an old covenant and a new covenant, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus, at that night at Passover, at the, at the Last Supper, says, I'm issuing a new covenant, a new way. Of course, if you're a Jew at that time, you're like, well, what's that, man? What do you mean a new covenant? I thought there was only one covenant with God. What do you mean there's a new covenant coming? And then we know that Judas leaves, he betrays you. Now, some of you may already know this stuff. Maybe this is his Sunday school backup, catch up with us, it's okay. And Judas goes and betrays Jesus. Jesus goes into the garden and begins to pray. He says, God, is there any other way to save mankind? Is there any other way that this cup can pass for me, that people can have a way, a life-giving way, a way to you? And the heavens were silent. And Jesus knew what he had to do, and now he saw Judas brings a mob, and, and a mob comes after to arrest Jesus. And Peter, y'all know Peter, right? Peter, he kind of shoots, and then he aims. You know what I'm talking about? He like shoots, and then he aims. And so he sees this guy coming, and Peter's a fisherman. He's not a warrior. He's not a ninja. He's none of that, but he thought he was a ninja at this very moment. You should read the Bible. It's fascinating. He grabs his sword, and he takes the sword out, and he swings the sword, and he cuts the high priest's servant's ear off. This is crazy, y'all. Maybe not good bedtime reading, but it's kind of crazy. And he cuts the dude's ear off, and Jesus stops Peter. I think Peter was swimming for his head, and just the fisherman hit his ear. That's just my thoughts. I don't know. He bends over, picks up homeboy's ear, and puts it back on the dude. Now, if you were there to arrest Jesus, what would you have done? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, dude, you get him, man. I ain't touching that, bro. Like, you go get him. I ain't gonna arrest him. I ain't gonna put that guy in handcuffs, right? And we know what happens. They arrest Jesus. They take him. They put him on trial. He's found innocent. 
but it's the Passover, and the custom was to release a prisoner at the Passover. And so they gave an opportunity. Do you want us to release Barabbas, this wicked sinner who, who we've had in jail for a long time, or do you want to release Jesus? And the crowd began to say, release Barabbas, crucify Jesus. The same crowd just on Palm Sunday who was singing Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, is now singing crucified Jesus. And so Pilate hands him over. At 9 a.m., the Bible tells us, they nailed him to a tree. They nailed him to the cross and they placed the cross in the ground and darkness now begins to come over the land. And that's what we pick up in Luke chapter 23. If you're ready to get started, say, let's go. All right, verse 44. It said, by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Now this was not an eclipse. Eclipse lasted about seven to eight, eight minutes. This couldn't be like an eclipse that made it happen. It's a supernatural phenomenon. So it's noon and for the next three hours it's completely, completely dark, like darkness come over the land. Verse 45, the light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain and the sanctuary of the temple was torn down in the middle. That's very important, we'll get to that just in a moment. And then Jesus shouted, here's his last statement that was recorded of Jesus on the cross, the last statement. He says, Father. Now, a Jew would never call God their Father. This is very disrespectful, dishonoring. They would never call him Father. In fact, they wouldn't even pronounce his name because they were afraid they'd pronounce it wrong, Yahweh, and that God would kill them. Like, they, they revered his name. Jesus says, Father, which strikingly catches everybody off guard. And he makes his last final statement. And here's the statement. I and trust my spirit into your hands. And with him, the Bible says, that he breathed his last breath. Come on, would you pray with me one more time? Father, thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy that's new every day. Thank you so much of all the people at all of our campuses that God, I pray just for the next few moments that our focus will be on you. For it's your name we ask and we pray, amen. How many of you had parents when you were a kid who would, before you go to bed or went to bed, they would say, hey, make sure you say your bedtime prayers or say your bedtime prayers. Anybody had parents like that? If you had a few, come on, raise your hand. Okay, so we had parents that didn't want you to pray. That's okay. Uh, maybe the next service is a little bit more holier. I don't, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, 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 right? And if a kid, you would say your prayer or they just say, say your prayer. Or maybe you as a kid said your own prayer. And most probably, you would probably quote the Lord's prayer and say like, our Father, and thou art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And maybe you pray. I don't know, but maybe you've prayed a prayer, uh, or maybe if you haven't, you heard this one. How many of you heard the prayer, as I lay me down to sleep? If you heard that prayer, would you raise your hand? Come on, all of our campuses, raise your hand. Right. Have you ever thought about that prayer? Have you ever really, like, dissected that prayer? I mean, think about this. You're a little kid, right? And your mom says, say the prayer, we're going to pray with you, right? As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Watch this. But if I die before I wake. I mean, you just freak the kid out, right? Right, right. Watch it. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Right, right. And then, then your mom says, good night, honey. See you in the morning. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, if the God keeps you up tonight, I won't see, right? Oh, I love you. Good night. Oh, and by the way, don't let the bed bugs bite. I mean, what is that? Like bed bugs. Like the kid is freaked out. My soul may be departed. Bugs are gonna bite me. Like, I mean, if you thought about that, has anybody dissected that prayer? I mean, it's crazy. But we teach our little kids. I think they read wrote that to not be so like crazy and scary and like, you know, things jump out and get you. Now it's for little kids. But, you, but there's a bedtime prayer. And the reason I want to say that is because the text is very important we're going to look at. And Psalms 31, real quick, is a bedtime prayer that most little Jewish boys or girls would have prayed 
or an adult would have prayed if they were in trouble or time of need. And it's found in Psalms 31. It's very important because it connects to what Jesus just quoted on the cross. It says in verse one, it says, Oh Lord, I have come to you for protection. Maybe this is a great psalm that we should pray. I love praying the psalms. I pray the psalms quite frequently. Oh Lord, I've come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me, rescue me quickly, but my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock, my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies has set for me. For I find protection in you alone. And then look at verse five, look at verse five, see if you've heard this before. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. Now, we learned last week that Jesus was a rabbi. We know about that, right? Yes, he's the son of God, he's the son of man, we got, but he's also a, a rabbi. And as a Jewish rabbi, when I would quote a scripture to you, it was for you to know, either know the context or go study and find out what the context is. So on the, on the cross, Jesus' last statement, he's quoting Psalms 31, verse five. We just read it clearly. And so as a rabbi, as a, as a teacher of the scripture, he wants us to go, look here, what does he want us to know? And what he wants us to know is that he was crying out to his heavenly father to protect him, to rescue him, that his time was now finished. It was up, it was over, come get me, this is done. And so he cries out, he says, in my spirit, entrust my spirits into your hands. And this was a cry of protection. As a little boy, a little girl would pray this sometimes at night, or you would pray this as you were needing protection from God. Jesus called him father, and then he prays this prayer, and then he dies. And this is what's fascinating. I wish I had time to go into every single one of them. But when he dies, there was so much stuff going on, it was insane. Like things were moving so quickly and so fast, it was, it was insane. The Bible says, one, the earth shook. There's an earthquake. Two, the curtain at the temple, and that's what I wanna get to just in a moment, was torn from top to bottom. That's very important. The Bible says in Matthew 27 that graves broke open and people got out of their graves and they're like Michael Jackson thriller. Y'all know what I'm talking about, y'all? Like, I mean, that's crazy. Y'all think the Bible's boring. You should read it. You're boring. The Bible's not boring, y'all. I mean, it's just fascinating. So all these things were happening, all these miracles, but what I wanna focus on is that the curtain was torn. Now, real quickly, Bible study or context. Exodus chapter 25, verse 31. God says, you know what? I want to come and I want to dwell with my people. I want to dwell in the midst of my people. But you can't contain my glory. You can't contain me. And so I want you to build a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, I'm gonna give you details. Exodus 25 through Exodus 31 gives you complete details. I want it this big, this tall, this wide. Here's the, here's the rings. Here's the thread. Here's the curtain. Here's the stitching. Here's everything I want to. Here's the, I, I, listen, I'm even going to design it and I'm going to decorate it. Here's what I want in this room. Here's what I want in the next room. Here's how I want it laid out. Here's the temple court. Here's how I want it. And so when you looked at the temple, and you can Google this or something, you can get a picture of an idea of what the temple would look like because people have kind of put it together. You had a courtyard where Gentiles and people would worship, they would sacrifice their, their land. And then you had another room behind a curtain and it was called the holy place. And in the holy place, only the priests are allowed in there. So only if you were a priest could you go into the holy place from a certain tribe to go in there. Not everybody, not all Jews could get in that place. 
It breathed. And then behind the next curtain, like curtain number one, curtain number two, right? And then, I don't know why I'm a co-host, game show host. And then behind curtain number two is the Holy of Holies. Now, this is the place that only the high priest could go in once a year. And in this place was the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, we know this was the Ten Commandments, was, was Aaron's staff, and some manna that was fell. That's another whole story. But it was in that place. And there were two angels facing each other on the lid, and that was called the mercy seat of God. It's where God connected with man. And they would build a temple, they would get back, God's glory would fall into the tabernacle, and then the high priest, they would sacrifice a lamb, because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. They would put it on a branch, the high priest would make his way through the first room of the holy place, and then he would make his way into the holy of holy place and then he would sprinkle it on the ark of the covenant called, called the mercy seat there and if it was pleased to God it atoned watch this for his sins and for all the Jews sins for one year and every year they do this over and over and over and over and one guy one time sitting there and saying well what happens if the high priest dies inside there what do we do you know they tied a rope to the high priest? The high priest would walk into the holies of holies and just in case if he didn't get struck down in the presence of God and they would take the rope if that would happen. I don't know if they ever did that as backup. You know, I don't know if they ever have. And then they would pull the rope and pull him out because no one could go in and get him. Crazy. But I want you to understand this is what was taking place when Jesus was being crucified. In fact, Hebrews chapter nine, verse two kind of explains this real quickly. It says, there were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room was a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This was a room called, watch this, the holy place. We just talked about that. Then, the third, then, then there was a curtain, don't miss that, another curtain, and behind that curtain was the second room called the most holy place. Verse six. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered in the first room as they performed their religious duties, but only the high priest ever entered into the holy place. The high priest, the most holy place. And only, watch this, once a year, and he always offered a blood sacrifice, blood for his own sins, because he's not perfect, and for the sins of the people who had committed in ignorance. Now watch this, this was all taking place when Jesus was being crucified. The priest was at the temple, they were getting ready because this is the day of atonement. This is the day that when Jesus passed away on Friday, this is the day that the priest would go in and get preparation for the lamb to atone for the sins of Israel. And so uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross. This is taking place at the temple. And we know that the law, law said at 3 p.m., which is twilight, the lamb is to be sacrificed and then the blood is to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Guess what happens? Jesus gave up his spirit, breathed his last breath at 3 p.m. John the Baptist says, behold, it's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. It's amazing how, how the sacrificial system was temporary and how God at the same time, at the right time, said, I'm gonna send my son who's gonna be the last sacrifice who will die for you in your place. And all this is happening simultaneously at the same time. And when the priest finished the sacrifice, he would scream hasa in Hebrew or tetelestai in Greek, which says, it's performed, it's completed, it is finished, it's over. The sacrifice, Jesus said, we learned last week, it is finished. The exact same thing as the priest would say at the exact same time. That's not by coincidence, y'all. God orchestrated this at this time, at this hour. And then the earth shook. The curtain was torn. And I always sit here and I scratch my head and I wonder, why was the curtain torn? Why did he tear the cur curtain? 
Like, why would the gospel writers, we believe that God inspired them to write this from their perspective and point of view. Why did they tell us the curtain was torn? What's so significant about that? Have you ever thought about, I, I always just wonder, why was so significant? And then it hit me. Only the high priest, one person, one time a year, could go into the presence of God to offer up a sacrifice for the Jews. But when that curtain tore from top to bottom, watch this, now anybody has access into the holies of holies. Let's let's do it. Anybody has access into the presence of God. You don't have to go to your priest. I don't want your priest. You don't have to go through your pastor. You don't have to go through your church. You don't have to go through your parents. You don't have to go through your grandparents. You have a way through your high priest. Well, who is our high priest? Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Who's we? Me and you. Watch this. Because of the blood of Jesus that has been sprinkled on the mercy seat has forgiven us of all our sins. The sacrifice is over. There's no more sacrifice. There's no more sin and blood. It's all been done. Now watch this, verse 20. How did that happen? By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. Don't miss this. Look what he says. Through the curtain. Do you see that? A new life-giving way has been given through the curtain. Listen to me. Are you looking for a new life? Are you looking for a better life? The better life, friends, is not the absence of pain. Just because you know Jesus does not mean you're gonna suffer. In fact, you'll probably suffer more. It don't exempt you from heartache. It doesn't exempt you from pain. The better life is not the absence of pain. The better life, the new life-giving way that Jesus gives, watch this, it's the presence of Jesus to walk with you in the presence of God through your pain. That's what the better life is. And everyone's looking for something better. I want a better marriage. I want a better job. I want a better finance. I want a better parent. I want better emotions. I want want to be depressed. I don't want to be anxious. I want a better lifestyle. I'm looking for something better. Listen, it's through the curtain. It was torn so that, not that God could get out, but so that we could go in. And we have access. Why? Because we have a high priest, Jesus. Isn't it amazing that on the cross, Jesus was the lamb and the high priest and God. And he's made a way for you, and he's made a way for me. Look, keep, keep reading, it says this, verse 20. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who rules over God's house, Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Are you looking for something better in your life? Are you looking for a new life? I'm here to tell you, it is through the curtain. And all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is go through and put your faith and trust in because on the other side of the curtain, if you'll just believe, and if you'll just give your life to Jesus, he's there, he's waiting for you. He wants a relationship with you. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. Why? So the curtain could be torn, not so he can come out, so we can go into his presence. And if that is what you're looking for today is something new, Jesus is your answer. 
He's your answer. He wants a relationship with you so much that he gave his life for you. It's not by coincidence that Jesus was crucified during Passover and died on the Day of Atonement. God already had that all set up. And now all you have to do is believe. Believe, listen, listen. I know you're here today because you believe something. At all of our campuses, you're here. Nothing within you, watch this, nothing within you, your flesh, your sinful nature, and we all have it, nothing within you wants you to get up, go to a place of worship to celebrate Jesus. Unless God is drawing you. Please hear me. You are not here by accident. You're not here to say, hey, you know what, Sunday, it's Easter. Let's just check a box, make sure we pay dues to Jesus. You know, come on, Jesus. I just, you know, thank you for you. Because you believe something or you wouldn't be here. Something within you has drawn you here. And that should just stop for a moment, whoever you are, and go, you know what, that's right. Maybe God has something he wants me to hear this morning. And he does. And here's what you want to know. It's through the curtain. It's the better life. Through the curtain is a new life-giving way. Not easy. It doesn't mean that he won't walk out on you. It doesn't mean you won't hear that report from the doctor. It's not easy. But with Jesus, it is better. And you know what my prayer has been for you all weekend long? My prayer for you has been what the Roman soldier said after he saw this. Jesus wasn't the only person crucified. The Romans had crucified thousands upon thousands and thousands of people. They were experts. They knew exactly how to hurt you and wound you. In fact, you die by suffocation when you're crucified. You know, if you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, <laughs> they went to the, after Jesus died, they looked at the two guys beside him and he, they haven't died yet. And it was getting ready to turn 6 p.m. And 6 p.m. starts the Sabbath. Well, on the Sabbath, Jews, you can't touch nothing, do nothing, work. You can't, you can't do anything. So that's why they rushed in a hurry and tried to get the body down. So they went on to make sure the other two were executed. So what did they do? If you know the story, the Roman soldiers went up to them and they broke the legs of the two criminals because they can't hold themselves up anymore and they completely collapsed and suffocated. Well, when they came to Jesus, they didn't break his bones and his legs for two reasons. One, he was already dead. Two, the, the scriptures prophesied that not one bone in his body would be broken. And so the Roman soldier, who's an expert to do exactly, to test, to see, he took his spear and he pierced him on the side in his heart to make sure that he was dead. And you know the story, blood and water flowed from him. And so they didn't have to break a bone in his body. So they got him down and wrapped it. And we know three days later, he got up out of the grave and that's what we're here celebrating today, right? Because if the grave was still there, if he was still in the grave, we're wasting our time. We don't have to go to a tomb to worship our God. We don't have to go to a grave. He's alive, he lives. But the Roman soldier, after, watch this, after you heard everything that took place and he saw what took place, I want you to hear what he said. And this is the whole point of the message. Mark chapter 15, verse 37. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This is Mark, Mark. The gospel wants us to know that. Then listen to what it says. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, this man surely, surely, truly, this man 
was the Son of God. And he's seen thousands and thousands of crucifixions. So my prayer been for you all weekend is that you would not leave here today without proclaiming, surely, surely, he is the Son of God. I'm gonna ask if you would just to bow your head just for a moment. First of all, I just wanna say thank you so much at all of our campuses for coming out today, worshiping with us. It's an honor and privilege to be able to communicate God's word to speak into your life. But I also want to remind you that it's through the veil, through the curtain, at the cross with Jesus. You have access to our Heavenly Father. Every single one of us here will live for eternity. Every one of us will live for eternity. You were created to live forever. Not physically, but spiritually. And when we die and our short life here on earth is over, you'll live in one or two places. A place called heaven where you'll be in the presence of God for all of your life, all eternity. Or a place called hell where you'll be separated from God for all eternity. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, watch this, you will be saved. And you may ask the question, saved from what? You will be saved from the wrath of God because he poured out his wrath on the cross and Jesus took your place in my place. And I know what some of us feel like because they're like, well, that's not fair. I, I need to work for it. I need to earn it. I need to, I need to be a good person. So I need to come to church. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I need to tithe. I need to do good things. And, and if I do good things, then maybe God will be pleased with me. Listen, your good works will never make you right with Jesus. Only what Jesus did on the cross will make you right with God. And all you have to do is believe. And here's what here's the thing. Well, Pastor, that's not fair. Listen, that's called grace. And that's how much he loves you. So right where you sit, you can pray with me. Saying a prayer will not save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that he is the Son of God, then you can pray with me and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And right now, as best as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. Folks, I just believe the scripture that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if that's you, just in a moment, your host or your campus pastor at your camp, they're gonna come out and they're gonna share with you what your next steps are. I know one of your next steps, your very next steps, if you give your life to Jesus, is to be baptized. And next Sunday, we got baptism right here. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be packed out. It's gonna be awesome. So many people are gonna be baptized and we want you to be participate with that. It's gonna be amazing. And then I want you to let someone know. Hey, today I just wanna let you know. So listen, so we can pray for you. You can either text to our BLC text line, you can go to the next step area, pull someone aside, let them know, today I gave my life to Jesus so we can pray for you and give you some resources to help you. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy, again, that is new every day. God, I can't believe we get to start over. And that is because you have torn the veil. You've made a way that through Jesus we have access to you. 
that we could come into your presence not once a year, but every second of the day, we have access to you who gives this new life-giving way. And Father, that's what we want from you as we surrender our life to you. So Holy Spirit, continue to move in our hearts and have your way. For it's your name we ask and we pray, amen.